Hello Tea Crew and welcome to a brand new episode of Tea Talk with Sha. Today we're going to be getting into all the trending topics all over social media and the internet and we're also going to be doing another true crime episode so you're not going to want to miss this one. Stay tuned. All right, T-Crew, let's get into these trending topics. So the first one, Candy Burris Tucker has a new show coming out on Bravo. It's called Candy and the Gang, and it basically follows Candy throughout her journey owning OLG, which stands for Old Lady Gang, which is a restaurant that she runs with her mom and her aunts. So her and her husband, Todd, have a restaurant group. They also own a steakhouse and now they own Old Lady Gang. I think they owned Old Lady Gang first. So they have multiple restaurants under this um, Burris Tucker restaurant group that they have. And this one in particular has soul food and old ra- old fashioned recipes that she pulled down from her mom and her aunts. So on this show, it's giving like black Vanderpump rules. Candy is going to be in it, but it focuses more on the restaurant staff, the servers, um, you know, the drama that goes on in restaurants. Of course, it's young people. So everybody's dating everybody. Everybody's in everybody else's business. Apparently, a couple of the staff members are going to challenge Candy and Candy has to put them in their place or fire them. It looks like from the super trailer that Todd is ready to fire everybody that disrespects his wife. And I guess, you know, rightly so. You're signing their checks, you're paying their bills. So at some point you have to gain control. So this looks like it could be something um, worth watching. I'll definitely give it a couple views and let you guys know what I think of it. And this comes right on the heels of um, Portia's Family Matters. So they're both coming from Real Housewives of Atlanta. It's only natural that people are going to compare the shows. And to be honest, Portia Family Matters, even though it got great um, ratings wasn't a really slam dunk for Bravo because they were supposed to have nine episodes. Portia stopped, um, self-taping. She didn't want to do her confessionals anymore after that huge fight that she had between her, Dennis, Storm, Mama Gina. We talked about it. Um, I think if you go back a couple episodes in episode 29, um, I go more into the fight and what happened, but basically there was a brawl and the last two episodes of the season were not filmed and they were not um, shown. So it really wasn't something like a highlight that Bravo can really stand by as a spinoff show that came from one of the Real Housewives franchise. In addition to that, you know, Bravo is being slammed as not handling race issues properly. Um, over on the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, the new cast member, Jenny, made um, very racist comments about the Black Lives Matter movement on her Facebook page from literally 2020, um, probably about six to nine months before she started filming Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And the producers did not really look into her character, did not look into her as a person. And um, she later apologized, but half of the cast unfollowed her on social media. And now it looks like she'll probably be fired um, from the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And then before that, Mary Cosby, we already reported that she's leaving the show but she made racist comments towards Jenny and she was not fired from the show. She ended up leaving the show 
on her own. There's also been some um, racist remarks that were made on Below Deck, and it's causing people to wonder what's going on with Bravo. Why don't they have a standard? Why are they allowing people who make racist comments, why are they allowing them still to be on their platform and still to be employed on their reality TV shows? Um, in my opinion, I think it's really going too far. I realized that Candy probably had this show in the works, um, months and months before all of this happened. But at the same time, it just, it kind of like, it's an all black show. It's an all black cast. So to have an all black cast on the show, when in essence, they're not even a network that seems to even support black people and people of color, it's really making people look around like what's going on here. Now, um, Monique Samuels has her new show, Love and Marriage in the DMV coming out on OWN. And it begs the question, it's like, you know, will these Black shows move to Black networks to be better protected from, you know, being exploited or whatever the case may be that they feel like is going on at other networks. I don't know, but I feel like Bravo needs to pull together. I mean, how many times are we going to wait around for months and months while they quote unquote investigate before they fire someone and literally let these remarks stand? It's like Jenny should not have been able to film the reunion after making these comments. And I know she, they didn't discover it until after the reunion was already filmed. But at the same time, it's like, you need to better vet the people that you're going to put prop up on TV every week. And if, you know, we had a situation with somebody else that Whitney Rose was associated with, that was, you know, part of something I don't want to get into on this podcast, but she was part of something that just does, was not in line with what Bravo stood for. And they went ahead and just chopped her right from the beginning. So why couldn't you look further into Jeannie? It, it's really ridiculous. And they have to do a better job of doing this. The same thing with Ramona. She made racist comments to the new black cast member on Real Housewives of New York. And they just canceled the interview. They just canceled the reunion instead of directing um, any kind of criticism at Ramona directly. And then Ramona went on um, Real Housewives girls trip and she was able to do a spinoff. So it's just like, there's no accountability there. And I don't know, I like Bravo, but I really want to see what they do with this because if they can't seem to do any better than how they're doing, I don't really know if I'm going to continue to watch and support Bravo and cover them on the podcast and stuff like that, because we, this is the point where we really have to take a stand. Like it's not a one incident thing. This has happened many, many times. And at what point do we just say enough is enough? you know? So I guess that's that. All right, let's move on to the next topic, the money challenge. Now the money challenge is basically, we've all been seeing it tagged all over um, Instagram, especially, but on Facebook and TikTok too, I'm sure. And um, it's basically just where you take a bunch of money and spell out a message, right? So this trend started with NBA Youngboy and he basically put a warning out there to people, you know, like, you know, stay safe out there and you might die or something. I don't know. That was his original message. 
in the money and people were like is he okay because you know ever since he's been out on bond he's just been acting differently been wearing makeup he's been even more emo than he was before and people are just saying that because of his pending case he's just been kind of in a different headspace so Dirk then responded um to basically say that you know die faster because the original message was you know everybody gonna die and then Dirk said you know do it faster so I was like okay um and then after that basically everybody kind of turned it into something a little more light and a little more fun um and a lot of other celebrities have joined in on the trend Young Miami, 50 Cent, Lala, Soldier Boy, Dooley Low <laughs> and his said um he's innocent or she, or, um, she lied or something. Cause you know, recently Dooley Low, it just came out that the young lady that had accused him of having a relationship with her son ended up lying and all that. So, um, and then Nick Cannon came out with a toilet paper version and said, the IRS is watching. And I was like, now this is a, this is a word. <laughs> this is a word because at the end of the day, y'all sit up here. Some people do the challenge with hundreds. Some people do the challenge with tens or twenties, but in any regard, the IRS is always watching. Y'all got to be careful what you post because you cannot post all this money and then turn around and cry poor because they will pull the material and they will pull the receipts. So be careful. <laughs> all right, let's get into the next topic. Nick Jonas and his wife, Priyanka, welcomed their first child via surrogate. So um, earlier this month, people actually speculated the couple might be separating after Priyanka Chopra removed the Jonas from her Instagram bio. And it just read, you know, Priyanka and people were just like, "Uh oh, is there trouble in paradise? Now we find out that the couple is actually welcoming their first child together. And to me, it really makes sense, right? surrogacy is a newer thing it's definitely there's so many rules to it there's so many things that go into it it can be very stressful when you're carrying a child it's also stressful it's just in my opinion another version of pregnancy you're wondering you know what's going on with the mother is everything okay will everything be okay with my baby and we don't know how many you know they've been married for a while now you know how many other surrogates they worked with but that they fell through or something happened or they weren't able, you know, to get pregnant. So I definitely can understand the stress of going through a surrogacy situation that it could put on a marriage and why they seem to be like something was off with them and that they weren't really, you know, clicking and people were thinking they're about to break up. So Anywho, um, congratulations to the couple. They didn't really say if it's a boy or a girl or a name or anything. Um, they basically just said, we had a baby and we'd like some privacy at this time while we just focus on our family. I thought that was really cute. And I think they all gathered in Miami to, I guess, meet the baby. Um, him and his brothers are still really close. So I think they came to Miami to like meet the baby and hang out. Um, and they did some TikToks and stuff. So it, it's good to see that everything is okay and that they have a child now and congrats to them. All right, let's move into the next topic. A Georgia pastor and his wife were arrested after eight special needs people were found locked in their basement. Oh my Lord. So basically Curtis Bankston and his wife, Sophia Bankston claimed to have a group home 
in their home. You know, they owned a large property in Georgia and they claimed that they were using the extra space to facilitate a group home for those that have special needs. Now, these people received a certain amount of funds from the government because they have special needs, disabilities, and they can't work. So they receive a certain amount per month. Now, according to the report, Curtis and Sophia were collecting this money while leaving the special needs people locked up in their basement and neglecting them. So they were taking the funds to take care of them, but they were not taking care of them. In fact, they didn't even have a group home. They had these people in their basement and they were just not prepared to have eight people in the home. It just wasn't big enough. And there was no way they had the resources for all these people. So basically like this to me is sad. First off, because he's a pastor, I hate to see people using that lightly because, you know, there's so many pastors out here doing great work and really caring about the community and, um, you know, making it their life's purpose. Then you have a person like this that just comes in here and uses the name pastor to get people to trust them you know, pastor and first lady to get people to trust them as a couple. They take in these people, you know, that their families may not be able to properly care for them and they might not have anybody, whatever the case may be. And they say, Hey, we're good. God fearing people will take in, you know, these special needs adults and we'll make sure they get all the attention and love and food and every other thing that they need. We'll make sure that they get it, just route their money here, steal their money and imprison them. It just makes me sick. Um, there's no word on the um, jail sentence yet, but they were both arrested and I don't think they post bail. So they're just, you know, under the jail right now. And that's exactly where they should be because that's terrible. And, um, they didn't mention it in the article, but I hope that the eight people that there were, that were victims of them, um, are able to get placed in loving, um, care facilities where they can get the care that they need and deserve and not be abused because that's just ridiculous. I can't. All right. So little Nas X has been sued for plagiarism. Allegedly, um, the scene that he did in his Montero music video where he was giving birth was plagiarized scene by scene from a death metal artist named Dana Denanta. And, um, they want their coins. So basically, you know, last year, Lil Nas X got a lot of heat for his portrayal of a pregnant woman. Um, and it was a creative choice for him to say, you know, I'm giving birth to my album Montero, right? So now about five or six months later, this death metal artist says that the music video Montero copied his scene where he gave birth um, I guess in some metal music video that he did years ago and, um, he wants his coins. He says that Lil Nas X owes him and that it couldn't have been, um, a mistake because the scenes are, you know, one for one. They're basically exactly the same. I mean, I don't know. I think that the Montero music video had a lot of different, uh, aspects to it and, um, one of them being him giving birth, but I really just don't, think that I think it's a simulation of something that really happens in life but I don't think you can say that that was my creative work because at the end of the day like that's how a lot of mothers look when they're about to give birth like that's just getting wheeled into a hospital and giving birth is kind of like the same for every movie and every single video and 
every single show where somebody gives birth, the lady's all sweating, you know, and they're rolling her back and she's screaming. Like it's like, it's literally the exact same for every movie. But you know, if this artist is trying to get some clout off it, I guess that was successful because people are talking about it, but I just don't see it going that far in my opinion. All right, in the last topic, Kelly Price sat down with Vlad TV and did a really interesting interview. So Lunell is now working with Vlad TV and Lunell did an interview um, with Kelly Price. Now in this video, um, in this video interview, Kelly Price talks a lot about the industry. She talks about, you know, how she was in the industry very young, how she worked with a lot of musical artists. She worked with Mariah Carey um, back when she was married to Tommy Mottola. She worked with just George Michael, like all different people that she had worked with. And she talks about, you know, when she worked with R. Kelly. And the interesting thing that she said was, you know, she said she never, she had like a brother sister relationship with R. Kelly. Um, she spent time with Andrea Kelly and she spent time with the kids and she basically heard like rumors and whisperings, but she said she never saw anything firsthand. But what she did see firsthand were a lot of, um, parents taking their children backstage, um, in an effort to basically, get R. Kelly interested in their child musically, right? Get R. Kelly interested in their music so that their lifestyle would change and that they would be set for life. Now, this was a revelation. It shook the internet. A lot of the blogs reposted this clip and I think the full interview is available on Vlad's channel if you join his membership. It's only like $4.99 a month. So if you want to watch the whole interview and he has tons of other great interviews on there, shout out to Vlad. Um, if you're interested in that content, but, um, yeah, like, you know, Kelly really opened up, but to me, that makes a lot of sense, right? We wonder what happened with Aaliyah. We wonder what happened with, um, Sparkle's niece and like why so many families were just not willing to give up R. Kelly for the predator that he was. Why was it allowed to go on for so long? And then you really think about it. Like a lot of these families, a lot of these people were using the kids as meal tickets. You know, they were thinking to themselves, my life could change if my daughter or, um, you know, my niece or my cousin gets signed by R. Kelly, you know? So if it's something that they want to do, then let them do it. But then this is the thing. And this has always been the thing, right? People that young are way too young to consent. And you can't just throw your kids to the wolves for a better, more luxurious lifestyle. And it's sad, but you know what? It's not the only time it happens. You see this happen with kids and sports and you see a lot of families throw their young sons into wrestling, into football, into basketball, doing all these things, having them train day and night because they want, you know, a better lifestyle. They want a lifestyle that would be afforded to them if, you know, they were able to join a a football team, professional football team or professional basketball team. And it's just like some people really have their hopes pinned in their kids to the point where they don't realize they're offering them up to a predator. It's really sad, but you know, I encourage all of you guys to listen to the whole interview. Go ahead and pay that 499 
or I think you can wait a couple weeks and the entire interview will be released on this channel for free if you want to wait that long and the clips are up now if you just want to look at the clips but it was a really good interview and I think more music insiders will start to come forward and tell their stories of what happened because we have to really as a community as you know artists when you're working and doing certain stuff we have to start calling out this kind of thing especially in the black community because they are not going to stop anything especially if it's making them money especially if it's profiting them in any way they're not going to stop anything we have to be the whistleblowers in our own communities to be like nope we're not going to stand for it whether you're a celebrity or not whether you could change my life or not i'm not going to you know, may have a sacrificial lamb. That's my daughter, my niece, my cousin, my best friend, whoever it is, you know, I'm not going to put them up like a lamb to the slaughter so I can have private flights and a rich lifestyle. You know, we just have to draw the line there. But, um, these have been this week's trending topics. Stay tuned for our sports report. Hello, hello, hello out there and welcome to the sports update with J-Rob. Today I will be covering the NFL. I will be going over the NFL divisional round and giving you a preview of the NFL championship round. So let's get started with going over the NFL divisional round. The Cincinnati Bengals defeated the Tennessee Titans. Bengals wide receiver Jamar Chase caught five passes for 109 yards. The Bengals advanced to their first AFC championship game in 33 years. The San Francisco 49ers beat the Green Bay Packers. The 49ers defense was able to sack Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers five times. The 49ers defense also held the Packers to just 10 points for the game. The Los Angeles Rams defeated the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Rams quarterback Matt Stafford passed for 366 yards and two touchdowns. Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup caught nine passes for 183 yards and one touchdown. The game of the weekend was the Buffalo Bills at the Kansas City Chiefs, and it did not disappoint. The Chiefs beat the Buffalo Bills in overtime. This was a true heavyweight bout. Both teams combined for 974 yards of offense. The Chiefs won this game in overtime. The Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes threw for 378 yards and three touchdowns. Chiefs wide receiver Tyreek Hill caught 11 passes for 150 yards and one touchdown. The Chiefs will host the AFC Championship game for the fourth consecutive season this Sunday. And now let me give you the uh, AFC and NFC Championship game preview. Uh, for the AFC Championship, the Cincinnati Bengals will be traveling to Kansas City to play the Chiefs on Sunday, January 30th at 3 o'clock on CBS. 
and for the NFC Championship game, the San Francisco 49ers will be traveling to Los Angeles to play the Rams. And that game will be also on Sunday, January 30th. Uh, and this game will be at 6.30 on Fox. And this has been the Sports Update with J-Rob. Have an awesome week. All right, T-Crew. This is my favorite part of the podcast, um, the deep dive, where I get to shine a light on something that I've been thinking about or that I feel like needs a different perspective or needs to be pushed out there a little bit further. And this week we are doing another true crime episode. I know a lot of people like the true crime episode. Um, and I like doing it too, but I don't know if it's going to be something that I'm going to do like that often. But, um, this week in particular, I have been seeing a lot of people talking about it sporadically, but I wanted to do a deep dive into, um, this particular case. So I figured it's the perfect time to dive back into true crime. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the case of Lauren Smith Fields. Now, Lauren Smith Fields is a 23 year old influencer from Bridgeport, Connecticut. She was basically loved, um, by all her family and friends. She came from a pretty big family And, um, they all just loved and supported her. You know, she just was the light that would walk through a room and everyone be like, who's that? You know, she just influencer seemed to be the perfect job for her because she was just a person that loved people and attracted people to her. And, you know, as an influencer, that's something that you have to kind of know how to do. And according to her friends and family, Lauren did that um, naturally. That was just something that came natural to Lauren. So she was on Bumble trying to meet people. Um, and she ended up talking and, um, connecting with Matthew LaFontaine. So remember Lauren's only 23 and Matthew is 37, um, which wasn't uncommon for Lauren to date older guys. Um, and so, They began talking and three days after they started talking together, they ended up meeting on December 12th, 2021, and she went on a date with um, Matthew LaFontaine. So Matthew is a design engineer. Like I said, he's 37. Um, He likes to do outdoorsy things, backpacking, uh, or he likes to do outdoorsy things, backpacking, backpacking. kayaking, things like that. And the two met on Bumble and they really hit it off. And so they scheduled to have a date and that's when they decided to go out December 12th of 2021. Now, basically after the date, you know, LaFontaine has claimed that they had been drinking a lot on the date. And when he woke up, um, Lauren was dead in the bed, um, on bloodstained sheets. And he just didn't know what happened. He called the cops and reported that he had just met her. They were newly acquainted and he woke up and she was dead. Her friends and family just claimed that this case was not investigated properly because she was black and because she was on a date with someone that she quote unquote knew 
Um, but I'll get into that in a second. And they're urging people to talk about this case, share this case and get involved because they just feel like this is something that was just a major injustice that the the case was closed so fast based on the words of, um, Matthew, who's kind of, you know, well-respected white male and Lauren, who was up and coming as an influencer and only 23, um, I just feel like this case is extremely sad. I think it ta- I think it just dives into so many different topics that we talked about on this podcast. One being that you really need to um trust your gut and trust your surroundings. I don't know if this guy gave off a vibe that Lauren, you know, kind of was like, you know, we don't know what happened. There's so little that's going on. And especially if you wake up in a bed with somebody that you barely know and they're dead and there's blood all over the sheets, it's like, how could you sleep through that drunk or not? He should have been brought in for questioning and they really shouldn't have let him leave until they got some answers. I mean, that's what they do with everybody else. So I can't understand why he was kind of, he gave a statement and that was that. Um, Another thing that I also noticed, a lot of people were saying, you know, that's why you got to be careful who you go on dates with and stuff. You know, dating on apps and meeting people online is the culture nowadays. Um, This is how we meet now. You know, the whole meet cute situation doesn't really happen, you know, especially in a pandemic. There's no, we don't go out to browse anymore. We don't go out without an intention anymore. You know, you go, you get the things you need, you come home because it's just not convenient to be out with a global pandemic. So meeting online is literally one of the only ways to meet someone unless you meet someone like within a friend group of people that you already know. And even still, like I said, because of the pandemic, even friend groups aren't getting together like they used to. So that was just really crazy to me that people were bringing up the fact that she was on a date, that she wanted to meet Brian and, or Brian, I'm sorry, that she wanted to meet Matthew. And that should be enough reason for him to have not done anything to her because they were acquaintances and they were cool and something else should have, could have happened to her. And it could have but a further investigation needs to be done. Now, the police department said it's still an open case. It's, the case is not closed. They're still investigating the death of Lawrence Smithfield. But, you know, we all watch uh, Last 48. So it's like we know that for our first, our first 48, we know that in those first two days is where you get all the leads where people it's still fresh in people's mind did you see anything did you see the couple like they were drinking where were they drinking where was the date how did the date end you know why didn't she pass out when he passed out did anybody hear from her that night after she supposedly quote-unquote passed out you know was Lauren involved in anything outside of just social dating? You know what I mean? Was she escorting? Was he known to be an abuser of women? Was he known to stalk women or hurt women or be involved in domestic violence? It's like, if a regular person like myself can think of these questions, you know, the, it begs the question, what kind of investigation was done that we don't have these kind of answers? Or is it because the case is still open that they're not releasing these details because they're hoping to hold on to them in case they're ready to make an arrest? But, you know, it has been a while. December 12th, it's been over a month. No arrests have been made. And it's kind of like 
this guy that she went on a date with is going about his life as are all the witnesses who may have seen something. Um, so I'm assuming the date took place in Connecticut. If you're a Connecticut tea crew member and you happen to know some more information, or if you think you might've seen something on social media or anything, um, please contact the local Bridgeport police. As they say, the case is still open. So I guess you can still contact them with any details that, um, you may know, and we're praying for the family that they get some type of justice for this situation. And, that everyone kind of learns from this, that you have to be super careful when meeting new people. I always say there's nothing wrong with group dates. I know some people don't like doing group dates, but if you meet someone on one of these apps, a Bumble, you know, uh, Plenty of Fish or Tinder or something like that, and you have no idea who they are, you don't have any mutual friends with this person, you know, they could basically have fell off the earth and you'd never know who they are. It's okay to start off with a group date. Hey, why don't we all just get a, why don't we just get a group together? We all just get some drinks so that you have people around that, you know, you trust that they trust you. And then if that goes well, you want to do solo dates after that. Okay. You know, just be cautious and always think, you know, this is my life. I only have one and I have to use it to the best of my ability. You got to protect yourself when you're out here, especially with people that you really don't know. Um, so just please do that. Please do that. And, you know, I don't know what the situation was, but don't get in the car with them. Don't drink after them. All that good stuff. You guys know what to do. Just keep your, um, P's and Q's about you as they say, and, um, be safe. All right, guys, this has been the deep dive. Stay tuned for our outro comments. All right, T-Crew, this is my least favorite part of the podcast where I have to say goodbye to you. Thank you guys so much for sharing the podcast, liking the podcast, downloading the podcast, um, interacting with our Instagram polls and our Facebook messages. Um, This is how we grow the podcast and get my voice a little bit louder, even though it's pretty loud as it is. Um, As always, arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. We won't stop till she gets the justice that she rightly deserves. Have a beautiful day or night wherever you are. And I love you for listening. Bye.